What is it like to age well in the Garden State, where nearly a quarter of residents are over 60 years old? Are you one of them? Join New Jersey Advocates for Aging Well to discuss the ups and downs of aging in New Jersey. In this podcast series, we tap into our network of leading experts to provide a fresh look into the key issues affecting the state's older population and their families, including finances, housing, health, and security. Each half-hour episode details professional insight into how you can maximize the joy, minimize the challenges, and capitalize on the opportunities that aging in the Garden State offers. Listen up, New Jersey. It's time to talk about hearing loss. Hello and welcome to Aging Insights. I'm Kathy Rowe, Executive Director of New Jersey Advocates for Aging Well. Today we have two guests who will share both their professional and their lived experiences in hearing loss. Let me welcome Pearl Fetter, retired social worker and member of the South Orange Senior Citizen Advisory Committee, and Arlene Romoff, past president of the Hearing Loss Association of America, New Jersey chapter, and author of two books on cochlear implants. Thank you for joining us today. To start, can you both share with us a little bit about your own experience and journey with hearing loss? I am a late deafened adult, and that means that I started losing my hearing as uh, somebody who already had acquired speech and language. So in my late teens, I noticed that I was losing my hearing and got my first hearing aid at age 22. And I slowly, for 25 years, lost my hearing very gradually. And so I became expert on everything there was to know about dealing with hearing loss. When I began that journey, there were no such things as cochlear implants. So I didn't know how it would end. And I did get my first cochlear implant 25 years ago. And that's why I wrote books about it. And that's my story. I became very involved in advocacy for people with hearing loss because it is one of the most misunderstood of disabilities. So I'm very mm. glad to be here to share Good. a lot of that 50 years of experience. Good. And Pearl, can you tell us about yourself and your experience? Sure. Um, well, I didn't know I had a hearing loss and my parents didn't know I had a hearing loss. I was attending private school. Um, on the Lower East Side and uh, of New York. And it was only until I went into junior high where they public school where my hearing was tested. Prior to that, in the private school, they always said I was slow. I wasn't catching on. Um, they very easily put me in the back of the room because I just yeah. wasn't wasn't up for par with the rest of the class. And when I was in public school, they did a hearing screening and told my parents that I needed to get a full evaluation. Mm. And that started my journey into hearing loss. Um, I had otosclerosis. I had a stapedectomy done by Dr. Shear, uh, who is the father of stapedectomies. And um, it was very hopeful until I got hit by a car and I was walking and got hit by a car and the state beast fell in and I lost all my hearing in my left ear so after that um, I think there was a certain amount of denial initially Um, they 
I really didn't need a hearing aid on my right ear yet, but they couldn't do anything about my left ear. So mm -hmm. I moved on in life. And it, was, it wasn't until I was 35 years old where I decided it was time to get a hearing aid. My right ear is starting to decrease and I'm wearing hearing aid now. Okay. Now I want to point out the reason we're doing this on Zoom instead of in the studio is that you both have several tools that increase your ability to hear. So can you um, tell us right now, what are you using for this interview that um, helps your communication um, that might be more difficult to do in person? I'll start. Uh, as I said, okay. I'm a cochlear implant user. And so I have sound processors. They're not hearing aids. Um, I don't hear. It's the sound processor that picks up the sound and converts it to electronics. And I have okay. embedded electronics that sends the sound to my brain. Oh, okay, so there's oh. a microphone here. So when I put my headphones on, I'm hearing the sound as close as it could be. It's like somebody's talking into my head. All right. Okay. I could take them off and we could we could function quite well, except this is a very important point. When I can optimize my hearing, that mm -hmm. means that my brain can use all of its energy on what we're discussing and not okay. trying to decipher the words that you're saying. Okay, so okay. that's what I'm using. And of course, on Zoom, there's automatic captioning. And right. that has been perfected in the source in the uh, years that we've been doing this pandemic. And the beginning wasn't good enough to use now it is mm -hmm. and it's, it's immediate it comes on the screen it's not perfect but between that and the hearing i function optimally and so much better than if we were in person so pearl tell us what you're using today for technology okay well what i'm using right now is captioning on the screen which as arlene stated has really been much better than it has been in the past i also tend to use when i'm in person uh, something on my iPhone, which, right. And so what it does is it picks up. I use this really when I'm one-to-one -one with a person, if I'm having trouble understanding a doctor in the doctor's office and so forth. But here, basically on Zoom, I rely very heavily on captioning. I have in the past used New Jersey Relay when we have like nine or 10 people in a meeting overlap in conversations, I find that New Jersey Relay helps a great deal uh, in getting the conversation to me. And New Jersey Relay is available to everybody in the state. It's a free service? Yes, it is. It's a, fr uh, it's a free service to any hearing impaired person uh, that needs captioning, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's in uh, a doctor to make a doctor's appointment. They do both signing and captioning, whatever it's okay. needed. You know, Pearl, you've told me before um, that hearing loss is not the same experience for everyone. And already, uh, you know, you both explained that your journey on this was, was different. Um, sure. So can you tell us a, a little bit about the different types of hearing loss? Sure. Um, there are three types of hearing loss, basically. Uh, sensory neural, conductive, and mixed. Mixed, obviously, is both conductive and sensory neural. Sensory neural is the most common hearing loss out there. And it happens when the inner ear nerves um, and hear cells are damaged. 
And that is the most typical hearing loss in aging population. Okay. So what, what happens is your speech discrimination becomes difficult to understand. You'll hear people saying, oh, I can hear you, but I don't understand what you're saying. Okay. And that is where the speech discrimination comes in. And okay. it, that they're experiencing poor speech discrimination, which is can be in any of the categories, but it is most common in the sensory neural hearing loss. Okay. Um, baby boomers of the 60s and the 70s listened to very loud music and created nerve damage. That mm. is on the sensory neural hearing loss. Okay. Then you have the conductive hearing loss, which usually has to do with an obstruction in the ear. It could mm -hmm. be uh, the way the ear is formed over the ear. It can be fluid. It could be tumors. It could be earwax. And these, the conductive hearing loss is treated very differently than a sensory neural hearing loss. We should state right now that neither Arlene or I are medical experts. We're, we're speaking from uh, even though it's professional point of view, it's uh, what we've experienced, what we've been exposed okay. to. So if somebody has a conductive hearing loss, first off, they shouldn't be uh, diagnosing themselves. Right, right. Okay? They really should get to an ENT doctor, ear, nose, and throat doctor. They are the best ones that can decide what mm -hmm. your situation is. Following up on our example of the hearing test and in a, a correct hearing test there are actually two components there's your uh pure tone uh mm. exam which little beeps are done at different frequencies at different volumes however the second most important part is speech discrimination and you will be okay. given a list of words in different volumes and if you can repeat them and just because you have excellent hearing in your pure tones, just hearing beeps does not right. mean that you have good hearing in uh, speech discrimination and vice versa. Okay. So it has both things have to come into consideration. So for example, my speech discrimination was never very good. So even hearing aids all those years, they helped me but I had a lip read to fill in what my speech didn't tell me what the words were. So okay. that's a really important thing to understand that this hearing aid is just going to amplify in many, many wonderful and incredibly technologically marvelous ways. However, it cannot help if you don't have good speech discrimination. And I will mention now the Hearing Loss Association of America. And mm -hmm. I mentioned I've been very involved with the New Jersey State Association. And we have chapters. Now, that organization is where you run to after you learn that you need a hearing aid or you have a hearing loss. Because then that's the next step. It's not just about a hearing aid. It's okay. understanding how to function with... right that equipment and there are all sorts of strategies that come up we can go through them but i think it's enough to say that that is your beginning that right. you're going to learn about captioning you're going to learn about assistive listening systems strategies on how to function in various situations 
So you could see it's not simple, but at least being aware that it's not just about the hearing aid. Pearl, you and I had talked before this about, um, you know, it's more than just hearing. Um, and if people don't advocate or if they're in denial, it affects them in other ways. They become isolated. It can affect their mental health. It can appear as if they have dementia because they're not treating their hearing loss. So what are the, you know, the other, the psychological or the life impacts hearing loss can have on people? It does depend on the individual and the support they get around them. Um, and they also have to find the professionals who can address what they need, whether it's hearing aids, which is likely, but also, as I'll say again, joining an organization like the Hearing Loss Association of America to understand that the hearing aid is the first step because it's very, very complicated. I think now would be a good chance for me to also recommend another book that just came out by two okay. colleagues. It's, it's called Here and Beyond, Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss. And essentially it's a manual for anybody and everybody with a hearing loss. It's on beyond hearing aids. It's the devices that are out there, assistive listening systems. There's techniques and uh, strategies on how to do all sorts of situations, whether you're in a job interview or you're at a pharmacy counter, all sorts of things that will help you uh, cope and, mm -hmm. and function and succeed with hearing loss. And it's finally some, it's two authors who have categorized literally everything. And I, aside from my own books, I rarely recommend books. There's a lot of, of information out there, but my books on cochlear implants are one of a kind, two of a kind that are recommended by audiologists and people in the field. So let's talk about the technology and personal devices. We talked a little bit in the beginning about what you're using now, but what are some of the other things that are out there? Um, you know. Yeah, we, um, one of the things is on the hearing aids, they have technology that helps you in theaters. There are certain mm -hmm. shows and certain movie theaters that have loop system, much more so in New York City than New Jersey. And uh, these loop systems go directly into your hearing aid. If when you buy a hearing aid, you ask for that technology. Um, also, uh, the headphones that they mm -hmm. have theaters. Um, the theaters have captioning as well and uh, headphones oh. if you need them. Headphones are a little more difficult for hearing impaired people with hearing aids to use. I know that I can't use those headphones. Okay. Um, the headphones really go into the ears and I have my hearing aids so that's not helpful to me. Captioning for live theater was my baby. Okay. As I mentioned, I had lost my hearing slowly and that meant that the assistive listening systems I had been able to use were not, were not functioning for me anymore. And I was going to Paper Mill Playhouse and asking for the script and something had to be done. So I requested that they provide, and I worked with a captioner, a professional to have a screen by the stage to provide captioning. And oh, wow. 
1996, the first uh, performance at Paper Mill Playhouse was captioning. And I'll tell you now, all along with advocacy for people with hearing loss, there aren't a lot of people who will speak up and mm -hmm. somebody should. And I will tell right. everybody watching this, you will find places in your life where you will say, Somebody should, whether they're in the library room that has no assistance and they're not going to come back, somebody should, that's you. And I'd like to remind everybody that's listening about people who are aging, 25% of people over the age of 60 have a hearing loss and 50% of people over 75 have a hearing oh. loss. And so every place where those people go and attend mm -hmm. it, it, as a community should be looped yeah. because you just want them to walk and you need to educate them about that and educate the people who can put that in because they don't know either. Now, I know, Pearl, that you organized something with um, you had a community hearing screening event recently. Correct. How did you do that? What were the results and who was involved with that? So I contacted several people and they brought in uh, six doctoral students of audiology. And uh, we set up a uh, hearing screening and we got 75 people in three hours. Wow. And, yes. Let me just explain quickly. A hearing screening is really a quick test of different sounds and it's a pass fail so it's really not going to tell you how much of a hearing loss you have or what exactly a problem is but what it did do was it gave the individual an opportunity to say yeah okay and i do have a hearing loss we don't know what kind but right. this means you should go and see an audiologist what we did recommend at first uh was tell each person that to please see an ENT person. Okay. Uh, ear, nose, and throat. Make sure there's no wax in their ears. Make sure that everything is clear for a hearing test. So it sounds like by having a community event like that, you're getting people who wouldn't otherwise go. They either they don't notice it um, or they don't think they have a problem or bad enough problem. So, you know, if you if you notice the problem, you can go to the doctor. But if you're not recognizing you have a problem, you're not going to go to the ENT. So by having a community event, you're capturing people who maybe can catch their hearing loss earlier or who otherwise wouldn't make an appointment to have it checked out. Incredible idea that to do that. It addresses so many things. You get the professionals that can do a good job mm -hmm. on this, you know, screening. We're not talking, uh, you know, a, a diagnosis, but it addresses the psychological component of the person facing a hearing loss or maybe not even aware and that that would never ever do that they'd rather sit home and not even bother with it because they don't want to yeah they don't want to go near that and let's talk more about like the psychology of it why do you think people are in denial do they just think oh it's a sign of getting old it's the simple answer is that hearing people don't accept it um hearing people have a real problem seeing other people with uh, some type of disability. Vision is not a disability. You know, vision is a disability, but they don't see that as a stigma. Okay. Uh, okay. Hearing 
us is a stigma. Um, it means you have to wear an ugly hearing aid. It means you have to listen closely. And it means you have to have people understand. This is why people get the little hearing aids that go inside all the way deep down into their ear because they don't want anybody to see them uh, mm. with a hearing aid. You could be in denial, but if the people are, and you want to, and you want so badly to get that hearing aid or a cochlear implant or whatever, but if the people around you are not positive and giving you that support, it's very hard. Okay. Very difficult. What do you think, Robin? I agree with that totally because hearing is a two-way proposition. You can't hear it by yourself unless you're in a concert and music and all. But the person who is interacting with a person with hearing loss has no idea what to do. No mm. idea. And that's a really good point, Pearl. I would like to add that um, a tip, a, a, an example of people uh, not providing support or uh, saying the right things. Like when people find out I'm deaf, it's, you know, the first thing they say is, no way, you're not deaf, you wear a hearing aid. Well, if I don't wear that hearing aid, I'm deaf. But the fact of the matter is I am deaf. But you speak so well and you're such a bright person. Uh, what is that supposed to mean, that I'm a bright person? Uh, you know, it's like saying, well, because I'm deaf, I might not be a, a bright person. You know, it's just the attitude. Right. It's the attitude. And I know people mean well. Most people do mean well. But if they think and stop and say to themselves, is this really meaningful? <laughs> I mean, is this going to help the person? Right. Um, so when you come to family, it, I find that in my past, I counseled the family before I counsel the hearing impaired person. The family is the one that needed the help. Okay. As much as the individual. But if they weren't going to accept that this person in their life has a hearing loss and it's draining, it's tiring listening all day. And we listen wholeheartedly, whereas regular people just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. They hear and everything is fine. We struggle and not always struggle, but we struggle and it's hard work, not counting the work we would normally do. Right. So um, support is very important. And I want to mention that it's not just the aging population that's in denial. I have friends in their 40s and 50s that don't want to even take a hearing test. I strongly mm -hmm. recommend people get a baseline so that you know what your hearing was in your 40s and 50s and what it is in your 70s or 60s. Pearl, how do you recommend that, you know, so that people bring up with, if we want to be supportive, um, to bring up with a friend or family member when you think they have hearing loss and they're not addressing it? You know, maybe it's their fear, but, you know, for, for people who want to help, how do we bring it up? And you've also told me that some, you can see in people, you can tell when they're struggling. What are those signs that you pick up on when you see that a friend is struggling and needs a hearing test? What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I get that all the time. I'm sure Arlene also and myself, I could walk into a room and pick out all the people that are hearing impaired. What do you I see? 
I, I can tell after a five minute conversation that they're having trouble hearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a smile that that uh, agreement that they have no idea what they said. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's difficult, but. It, to start a conversation is very hard mm -hmm. with a person who really doesn't want to know about it because their progression of hearing loss has been slow, probably, and they haven't noticed that they have a hearing loss. Okay. Um, they might be turning up the TV just a little bit more than they normally do. They might be saying what a few more times than they normally do, but they mm -hmm. usually find that you're the problem, not them. You know, okay. you're not speaking loud enough for me. The TV is not loud enough for me. Um, so when you get that kind of denial, it's it's really mm -hmm. difficult. Also, when they begin to isolate themselves, that's even okay. a big problem. Because when they have a certain realization, a touch realization that something is definitely not right. I'm mm -hmm. not hearing. Um, I'm, I'm coming across stupid. I'm coming across okay. the, um, so we need it is both as people who are experiencing hearing loss need to get tested. They need to reach out. They need to let people know what what they need or what's happening. And then on the other side, as family and friends, we have to be supportive and we have to encourage. So we want to encourage people to get out, get tested, find the resources that you need. Um, one tricky thing is Medicare does not cover hearing aids, but it does cover the hearing exams. So that's a start. But there are um, several resources within the state of New Jersey. We have the Division of the Deaf and Hard of Hearing. And what other resources are within the state to help people um, with screenings and financial support for hearing aids or what they need? Yes, the Division of Deaf and Hard of Hearing has has many resources for the person with hearing loss. But just recently, there's a program that pays for hearing aids, supports of, of paying for hearing aids mm -hmm. that was increased to $500 for each hearing aid with uh, a maximum of two per mm -hmm. year. So $1,000 and previously it was only $100. And that program is through the hearing losses, uh, through the Division of Deaf and Hard of Hearing. Okay. It, uh, it's, it's a great division of the division, uh, government division, because it has other things too for people with hearing loss. Assistive devices, such as smoke alarms, fire alarms, alerters, um, captioned telephones, all sorts of things. They have a device uh, display, a demo center where you can oh. learn about assistive listening devices. They have people on staff that do community outreach. I may add the State Department uh, for the Division of Hard of Hearing and Deaf also um, has an application for people who are within a special financial means to get a free iPhone or iPad or um, telephone and so forth. I wanted to mention, I've been talking about the Hearing Loss Association, uh, New Jersey State Association, uh, to 
make it really easy. We have an email address. And if you have no idea what you're doing, but you'd like to just reach out, uh, the email uh, address is, you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at hearingloss-nj.org. And Arlene, you had a community effort to bring a looping system to a library. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that happened? Uh, the, the State Department of Human Services with the Division of Deaf and Hard of Hearing were able to get funding for communication access, which meant assistive listening systems, but specifically induction loops captioning and sign language interpreting. And so there were a lot of uh, applications for this. Okay, think about that senior, it's looped. That senior is savvy enough to know his hearing aid has a T-coil. So all he has to do, it's gonna say, this has an induction loop assisted listening system. There's a logo, an ear with a T for T-coil. And they go in, they don't tell anybody anything because the sign out there says it's Luke, bingo. And talk about dignity, talk about having your needs addressed. And mm -hmm. think about how that would play out if you were a person in a wheelchair. Would you expect that library to have a flight of steps going in? No, of no course. you expect the ramp and, the, and, and an accessible entrance. Right. And this is our accessible room. I want to thank both Pearl and Arlene for sharing their expertise today. We have covered a lot of information. To find these resources, go to our website at njaaw.org. Aging Insights is brought to you by our funders, supporters, and viewers like you. You can watch this and past episodes of Aging Insights on YouTube or through our website, njaaw.org, on the Aging Insights tab. And you can listen to us where you find your favorite podcasts. For an extensive list of resources for older adults, visit our website at njaaw.org backslash services and resources.